Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Law Focus, handing you your rights. Good evening, welcome to Law Focus. We're in partnership with the Wits Radio Academy and you're listening to Vow FM 88.1. It's just gone 7 o'clock. My name is Tap Mahapi. I'm going to be your host for tonight. We're going to have yet another hour of interesting and informative radio where we discuss your legal rights. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. If you're joining us for the first time, um, thank you for choosing us. We really enjoy um, having new people on the show. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. You're always welcome. It's nice to interact with you as well. Uh, this is the last show of the month, so it's almost that time of the year when everyone says, Oh, kitty zemba, boss. But next week, we'll be start saying that again, I suppose. And we're now going to be discussing lease agreements. Now, there's been some uncertainty about lease agreements, especially with students, uh, and especially because South Africa is still under level one lockdown. Everything that we're used to, everything that we ordinarily have understood, you know, year in, year out, has kind of been turned on its head, including lease agreements, tenancy, landlord, all of that kind of stuff. Remember that here we try to um, really focus on legal issues and how they are going to affect you and to know what your rights and perhaps sometimes your responsibilities are going to be. We do this every Tuesday between 7 and 8 o'clock in the evening and we go in depth into the legal topics as well. We have insightful guests as we will tonight and today is going to be another very important uh, discussion so that you know when you come back next year or you enroll for the first time next year um, what it is that you should look out for. It's a couple of minutes after seven and we'll be taking a closer look at some of the terms and conditions that exist within lease agreements and what your relationship is with your landlord or if you're a landlord, what your relationship is with the tenant. I remember the tenant and the landlord can be, uh, you know, natural people or um, heuristic people, etc. So we're going to tackle all of those kinds of things. Ordinarily, the tenant is a, is a natural person. If you want to contribute to the conversation, you can do so. Uh, you can call us on 011-717-9881. You can also reach us on the various media social media platforms and you can be part of the show and engage with us. We're available on Twitter at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. On Facebook, we're VowFM. And for podcasts, you can visit vits.journalism.co.za forward slash law. Or you can always go to the Vits Radio Academy uh, page, and that's on, on IONO. Those are our partners in bringing you this awesome show. Um, and, of course, we're now available on Spotify. Everybody loves that, uh, that particular app. So you can find us there as well. Now, let's start with the first feature of the show. It happens to be one of my favorites because we discuss the most current and most important, well, or the most topical issues that are going on in the news today. This is our legal hotspots. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. A truly disturbing um, video emerged on Sunday evening, I think it was, where a convicted rapist um, was, 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 was videoed in a, in, a, in a Pretoria hotel. And what he's accused of is raping two minor children, both of whom were female. He's now appeared, he's 45 years old, he's accused of raping both of them, and it turns out that he's a convicted rapist, and he told the Pretoria Magistrates Court that he intends to plead guilty. According to the citizen, uh, the man whose identity hasn't been revealed is actually related to one of the uh, victims, and he made his first appearance in the Magistrates Court on Monday, that's the Pretoria Magistrates Court, after he was arrested on Friday. The allegations against him are that he picked up uh, the victims. One was aged 11, the other one aged 13. He picked them up from Lotus Gardens in Attridgeville. That was on Friday. He took them to a liquor store in Pretoria West, and then he traveled to the CBD of Pretoria where he rented a hotel room. Now, it was alleged that he raped both victims there. Uh, and when he appeared in court, he, he told he, the accused told the court that he wasn't going to waste the court's time, and that he wanted to plead guilty to the charges. According to the charge sheet, he's charged with two counts of rape, two counts of kidnapping, and the matter was 
postponed to the 7th of December for a formal bail application. It'll be a miracle if this man gets bail. It'll honestly be a miracle. It's also um, um, transpired or, or been revealed. Not only is he a rape convict, he's actually a rape parolee. So he hasn't even finished his original sentence for the rape that he was originally convicted of. He's out on parole. How these things happen is just uh, unbelievable. He lied to the um, hotel staff when they initially made some inquiries about why a grown man would be booking into a room with two young girls. And it's only when they started making a great deal of noise due to the problems and the pain and all of that and the abuse that they were suffering that the hotel staff then forced their way into the room and discovered him. It is a shocking video and I really hope uh, that justice is done in this matter. Particularly because um, uh, the the, uh, 16 days of activism starts tomorrow. And unless we really get this thing uh, under wraps, this 16 days of activism is just going to be lip service. Let's hope he doesn't get bail. This is South Africa. We never know what will happen. But really, let's hope. And there were more fireworks, of course, in Parktown last week and earlier this week as well with the Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zonda ordering uh, that the Secretary of the uh, Commission to State State Capture, uh, he ordered him to initiate criminal proceedings against the former President Jacob Zuma for failing to comply and to testify before the Commission. That was last week, Thursday. According to IOL, Zonda made the ruling on Monday after Zuma and his legal counsel chose to leave the hearing without obtaining Zondo's permission. Zuma left the hearing after Zonda had dismissed his application for recusal, saying the former president had failed the test of reasonable apprehension of bias against him. Zuma's submission was an odd one in that he said because Zondo and him were friends, in part, that's what he said, that because him and Zondo were friends, uh, that there could be a bias against him. Now, that's a slightly strange submission. Nevertheless, it was um, uh, dismissed, and uh, uh, Zondo now says that Zuma's conduct by walking out may have a negative impact on the integrity of the commission, the rule of law, and public accountability. So he ordered the Secretary of the Commission to open a criminal case against Zuma and also to provide the National Prosecuting Authority with all the materials and footage of the events prior to Zuma snubbing the Commission. Zonda said he would issue new dates for Zuma to appear before the Commission and Zuma would then be served with new summonses as well. And Zonda asked the Secretary to make an urgent application before the Constitutional Court and the, the basis of, of that uh, application would be to compel Zuma to answer all questions related to his alleged involvement in state capture. Now, with the quote-unquote meandos and meandos of the former president, we'll see whether that actually transpires. But it's a good move, in my opinion anyway, by the Deputy uh, Chief Justice. And a little bit further abroad, uh, the self-proclaimed uh, 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 prophet, Shepard Bushiri is again in the news because three more warrants have been arre- have been issued against for his three more warrants have been issued for his arrest, um, and that brings the total number of warrants of arrest to five. The fugitive believes that the warrants of arrest issued for him and his wife are part of a plot to persecute him, and he released a statement on Facebook saying that the latest development only confirmed the belief that he has that the uh, South African justice system is actually not just. Now, the, the couple fled the, the fled the, um, South Africa to their home country about two weeks ago, and they violated the bail conditions. The South African government has initiated extradition proceedings. That's to force them to come back to answer charges of fraud, theft, money laundering, etc., which they're charged with in Pretoria. It's in excess of 100 million rand. Uh, Bushir is further accused of raping members of his church, and this happened in 2018, and the new warrants of arrest also relate to that. Um, the, other, the other warrants also relate to um, other church leaders. And finally, another man of quote-unquote God, um, 
This is now Timothy Omotoso. His matter has been running for years now. And on Monday, he brought an application to have the testimonies of two witnesses uh, ruled inadmissible. This application was dismissed by the Pretoria, no, not the Pretoria, Port Elizabeth High Court. Eyewitness News reported that the long-running sex trafficking case of the controversial partner, pastor, will resume on the 26th of, of January. Two women, uh, Lusanda Sulani and Zugiswa Sito are out on bail and are charged with recruiting girls and women from the congregation for sexual exploitation. Omotoso has been in prison since his arrest at Port Elizabeth International Airport in 2017. He will spend another festive season behind bars. This is despite numerous attempts by him uh, to be released on bail. His all lawyers had argued that the new application for bail was based on new facts. His application for leave to dismi- leave to appeal has also been dismissed. That doesn't mean he can't appeal it. He can still do it, but leave to appeal has been dismissed. He'll have to approach the superior court himself. That has been the the, the legal hotspots for this week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the top of, stories the of the week. It's legal hotspots. Law Focus, Law Focus on Law Focus. 88.1 Point of Information. Welcome back to Law Focus. I'm Top Mape and I'm your host for tonight. If you've just joined us, we're discussing lease agreements tonight. It's just gone 13 minutes past 7. And the question is, do you know your rights as a tenant and what legal steps can you take when you experience problems? I suppose the antithesis or the opposite side of the coin is, do you know your responsibilities and what you can be held liable for? should you not live up to those responsibilities. Now, as we indicated earlier, we'll be discussing lease agreements and what you need to know. Uh, now that the year's coming to an end, uh, most of you will be expected to look for new accommodation as the new year begins. It's important that you really read the fine print and that you sign the, the, that you sign the, the rental agreement knowing exactly what it contains there. We're joined by Basil Mugwena, who is the director of the Vitz Housing, uh, Campus Housing and Residence Life. Uh, and he's going to shed some light on one, some of the things that are expected from you and perhaps some of your rights as well. Uh, welcome, Mr. Mugwena. Hi, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good. Uh, in, in terms of the residence admission policy, um, when you apply to to become you know a a resident i suppose or a tenant of 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 it's not just a student what is it that the student should actually bear in mind look i think what is very critical from the onset is that students must read 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 and understand the admission criteria it is not enough to simply say I have applied for res and it ends there. You must know what it takes to get into the vet residence. Even if you are in a vet residence, you need to understand the criteria for you to be considered as a returning student the following year. For example, the policy is very clear that uh, if you are to be readmitted back into the residence, you must have satisfied the academic requirement, a PCD. Effectively, you must basically have passed just about everything and be progressing to the next level of study. So very often you find that students simply say, I I applied. But at the end of the day, you find that people do not follow through that with uh, academic qualifications Mm. that are worth them returning to the residence. Also, there's a provision. I mean, you must make sure that your fees are you must have paid your fees by the time you reapply for the following year. So those are the most critical things that mm. students must take note of when they are in this environment. Oh, I wasn't aware. So unlike a normal uh, a tenancy where you just pay your rent and you can stay, uh, if you are going to be uh, admitted to a VITS residence, it's linked to whether you you are progressing academically as well. Remember, the purpose of for our residences is to support the academic agenda of the institution. Mm. So academic excellence is at the center of what VET is all about. So we do not want students who will just be taking up beds for students who will do better. So mm. academic excellence is at the center of what we do, despite all the support that we give. Mm. But if a student flung at the end of the year, we believe that such a student should make room for others who will come through and do better. 
So are all the residences the same or are there different residences for different categories of, of students? So what I mean is, let's say you're post-grad or you're undergrad or you're male or you're female. Are there, are there slight distinctions within the, within the residences? Yeah, there are various categories. For example, we've got catered residences which are generally exclusive to first-year students and, and junior students in general. Mm. These are students that will believe are coming into the investing environment, so they do not need to be bothering themselves about cooking and all sorts of things. We make sure that they, their main business is academic excellence. So those are catered residences. Then we also have self-catered residences that are reserved for senior students. And you also have your postgraduate residences. For example, you have that, that junction, West Campus Village, International House. Those are your typical postgraduate residences. Right. Uh, we, you, you have your post, uh, postgraduate uh, masters, doctoral, and the like. So right. that, those are the categories of residences that we have in our environment. Right, okay. So l- l- let's say a student arrives and things are fine, but then they have the, they're unhappy. Let's say they're particularly unhappy about um, the accommodation itself. Something is broken, whatever the case may be, but they're not happy about the accommodation itself. How can they uh, express this to the management or to the university? What channels do they have to follow? Oh, it seems like we've lost uh, Mr. Mugwena there. But I will get him back very soon, I'm sure. Um, we're discussing uh, leases, and they're important, particularly student leases. Uh, because when you're a student and you're leasing, as what we've discussed earlier, it's not simply a question of, well, I've got the money I can pay, or I'm a student, I can pay. Uh, or, you know, It's not as simple as that. It's also linked to how well or how badly you do during your academic year. So what Mr. Mugwena was explaining is that you have to be a past satisfactorily in order for you to renew your lease as a tenant and as someone who can continue here. Now, this always becomes quite a big deal because whilst you can be admitted into a university, it's equally important for you to be able to house yourself and clothe yourself, have a place to stay when you're at university. It's no good. You're going to fail if you don't have a place to stay. So it's very important that once you're at university, you come in, you get a place to stay, and that could be a residence. So listen carefully to what he has to tell you uh, so that when you get into the residence, you know exactly what's expected of you. Mr. Mugwena, are you back? Yes, yes, sir. Uh, All right. Did you hear my question or should I repeat it? Yeah, I got your question. Okay. Uh, my response is that uh, in our residence environment, we, we have various layers of management. If a student, for whatever reason, is not happy, either by the standard of service that they receive within a particular given residence, there is an accommodation officer where they can uh, register their complaint. This accommodation officer will do everything possible to attend to such. Should let the accommodation officer not be in a position to assist with such, they are welcome to escalate that to the cluster manager. Is, 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 to to that. So, pardon, sorry. Just, just to interrupt you there. Is the accommodation officer a, a senior student or a member of, of, of the staff of the university? Yes, accommodation officer is a full-time member of staff. Oh, right. Okay, okay. And their job is to deal with those, with, with those types of issues? Yes, sir. Right, I follow. Now, if you've just tuned in, uh, uh, welcome to Law Focus. We are discussing um, residents, especially university residents at our wonderful university that is WITS, and what the lease agreements are and what they entail and what you can do if you're not happy. Um, now, what are the legal implications that sometimes students don't consider? What have you picked up over time when they're signing their lease agreements in university? What don't they really take uh, pay attention to? You know, let me club this for both university accommodation and private student accommodation outside. Mm. The common factor is that uh, very often students come into our environment being desperate for accommodation and they neglect the most important thing, which is reading 
the lease agreement. Mm. I mean, we will hand out the document which we try our utmost best to simplify as much as possible. A simple thing like when you get into an environment, you need to take note of the fact that you need to progress academically for you to be readmitted. Mm. You need to make sure that your fees are paid, are up to date at a point in time. Such like things, you need to make sure that uh, whenever there is a query or just basic protocols within the university, you find that very often students neglect to read it. I spend so much of my time trying to negotiate with the private uh, landlords. Mm. Uh, where you find that the student entered into a legal agreement, they bound themselves in, on issues that they never even are aware, they never read the fine print. Mm. At the end of the day, I know that we guided by the rental act, but you find that this provider smuggled a particular clause into a contract. And you find that you never read, but when the message brought to my attention, you look at the document, you look at the legal agreement, you find that the student signed, and you ask the student, why did you do this? The student will tell you, no, no, no. At that point, I never bothered to read because I had just gotten my accommodation. It does not matter. You know, this is very critical. Mm. The kind of students that we are raising within the university, tomorrow they will be taking up leases in a commercial space such that they need to educate themselves. Let them use this opportunity to learn that you do not append your signature without reading. Because at the end of the day, whatever that appears there, if your signature is on the paper, you are bound by whatever clause that you subjected yourself to. Mm. No, that's true. Yeah, read the fine print and everything, because <laughs> yeah, it could yeah. get you into a mess. Now, coming back to to VITS and its uh, facilities, what measures are being taken uh, around COVID-19? Because, you know, la- this time last year, we weren't worried about, the, you know, COVID-19. It was still something far away. Maybe it'll come, maybe it won't. But now it's here, and it looks like it's here to stay for a while. Are the students uh, going to be safe? Uh, do they have anything to worry about? Look, when lockdown was uh, brought or uh, coming to big in South Africa, you remember that to immediately shut down all residences. Yes. Uh, when we were at lockdown level five, we had to start considering reopening some of the residences. You remember from level five, four, then Faculty of Health Sciences needed to have students on campus for their practical work. Yes. So we had to do risk assessment, identify all areas that can be a way I and mean, can be a channel for the spread of the virus. We had to identify those areas, then come up with risk mitigation uh, plans in relation to that. And we were able to do that successfully. If you check our records, that residences did not have that much infection as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, I can assure you there is not even a, student, a single student who is on quarantine or self-isolation. We actually we had identified areas like uh, dining halls as a high-risk area, such that at that level, we had to start, when we go to level three and two, we had to give students a prepaid meals. Mm-hmm. We had to close down gyms in residences so that there's no contact whatsoever. We also had to close some study areas. So basically, students had to observe the social distancing. I must also mention that uh, at West University, we do not have student sharing at this point in time because of the social uh, distancing regulations. Each and every student who we brought back under social justice or in best facilities, they had to ensure that they stay in their own room, study and progress with their academic uh, work. So we have done so much, and that's the reason our states speak for themselves that we've got very lowest, lowest possible Right. Now, speaking of, of, of level five lockdown, where uh, basically the whole country shut down, uh, and then you had students who, you know, were anticipating that they would spend the entire year at rest, and, and now, of course, they couldn't because of the situation. Uh, what, what was the arrangement in terms of finances? Um, you know, were they bound by the country? Or what arrangements did the stu- did Vits make with the students around COVID and the monies that were due or monies that were payable, etc.? Look, 
Uh, at that point in time, when the university went on any research because of uh, lockdown, we nobody anticipated that we were going to be having empty residences for a significant number of months uh, at most. But the university is a very responsible institution. We are taking note of the variable costs that we are considering at most to try and meet students way in terms of putting, giving some form of credit to students. So the university is seriously looking into that, being guided by the higher education and training uh, department and also the sector. So we are working on that. As a matter of fact, from the moment students started coming back, we had recorded each and every page in which a student came back into the university so that when we start making considerations, on these issues, we should be able to have uh, uh, viable information such that uh, you should expect communication anytime from next week in relation to the question that you have posed. Right, okay, that's good. That's very good news to hear. We're in conversation with Basil Mugwena, and he's the director of Campus Housing and Residence Life here at Fitz. Um, we, he's giving us, you know, all of the things that you should really look into when you become a student here and a student who chooses to live at residence in particular. Uh, about your lease agreements, what are your expectations, what are the um, provisions that they've made to make sure that you're safe as well. Now, Mr. Mugwana, perhaps our last question quickly. Now that the academic year is coming to an end and people now have to take into consideration whether they're going to enter into a new lease next year, with whom, for how long, etc., what are the recommendations or advice that you'd give to a student who's coming in for the first time or the second time, whatever, uh, that you would give them? Uh, I would want to advise students that uh, they have to ensure that uh, by the time you, if you are a first year student and you get that wonderful letter that says, Congratulations. Oh, you're breaking up a little bit. Would you, would you move around? Hello? Oh, we're losing you again. Oh, we, 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 we had lost you there. Would you mind repeating that? We'd lost you for a little bit there. Oh, okay. I'm saying in terms of first year students who will be joining our residences, uh, I want to advise them to take much of their time to keep checking on their emails. We'll be communicating a lot uh, from now onwards because we are aware that there is a possible disruption that may occur because of uh, COVID-19, such that we'll be keeping each and every student informed about the do's and don'ts. If as of 2021, COVID will still be with us, we'll also be sharing the protocols that students will need to consider if they are allowed to come back to residences. And for senior students who will be returning to residences, they must have, they have to ensure that they get all those confirmation and as soon as they get their results, let them start making plans to return uh, next year as per our communication. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much. That was Basil Mugwen and he's the director of its campus housing and residence life. Uh, we thank you for your time. Now, that was actually quite simple um, advice that was given, but extremely important advice. Make sure of what you're signing. Make sure what's expected of you as a VIT student, as a prospective VIT student, or a new VIT student, as an existing VIT student. Make sure you understand that when you come here, this is what is expected of you. will pass. If not, then you will not be able to remain at the residence. You will have to do all sorts of things, comply with the new COVID regulations, all of those things. All right, thank you very much to Mr. Basil Mugwena, and he's the director of Vitz Camping, Campus Housing and Residence Life. We'll be back just after this. Law Focus on BioFM 88.1, point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus on BioFM 88.1. It's always great to have you with us. I'm Tap Mapi, and I'm your host for this evening. And today we're discussing lease agreements and their implications. It's 26 minutes to 8 o'clock. We're about halfway through the show. And just to remind you, if you want to participate, we love you to participate. So you can call us on 11 
You can also reach us on all the various social media platforms on Twitter at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus on Facebook. Again, we are VowFM. For podcasts, you can visit vits.journalism.co.za or the Vits Radio Academy on IONO as well as on Spotify. Remember, today we're discussing uh, lease agreements, what you're expected, what's expected from you, what you can expect, and explain the you know the relationship between the landlord and the tenant. We've mainly focused around um, uh, Vits residences um, because a lot of you who are listening to us will be Vits residents, uh, and so it's important for you to understand what you've signed and to understand exactly it is what you what you're getting yourself into prior to signing the lease agreement, not after. Don't read it after. After it's too late. Uh, so to go a little bit further than this, we're going to discuss the matter with Butumelo Ndlovu, and uh, she's a civil legal practitioner from Legal Aid, and we'll be discussing, among other things, the legal implication of signing a lease agreement. Welcome to Law Focus, and thank you for joining us. Hi, hi. How are you? Good evening. Good evening to the listeners. Great. It's always good to hear from you. Uh, Tell us exactly what is the Consumer Protection Act and what is the Rental Housing Act? Uh, the Consumer Protection Act is a legislation that was created to promote a fair, accessible and sustainable marketplace for consumer products and services. Mm. Uh, it comes in at a place where there wasn't any protection for consumers. So the act was basically enacted to protect, protect consumers against the suppliers because suppliers had rights, but the consumers didn't. Mm. So um, the Rental Housing Act is a legislation created to define the responsibility um, of government to housing and property uh, to create a mechanism to pro- promote the provision of rental housing property and ensure a proper functioning of the rental housing market, meaning that it basically set out the what should uh, be contained in a lease agreement or it relates the landlord and tenant um, relationship. Both acts are there to protect the consumer in a place where the consumer didn't have much protection. In, mm. in, 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 in the case of rental housing, the consumer being the tenant. The tenant didn't, did not have much rights. You would find that they're just kicked out anytime, you miss rent once, and there's no clear provisions. So both acts are there to promote the consumer. And I suppose to create, to, to create some equity as well between the two positions. To create a balance yes. that uh, both to, to, to enhance both rights of both the consumer and the service provider and at the same time clear out what obligations they both have towards each other and the relationship. Now, broadly speaking, you know, not perhaps this specific, but broadly speaking, what would the rights and obligations of a landlord and a tenant be when they enter into an agreement? Well, the the tenant's obligations in terms of the Rental Housing Act are more precise, like they're more direct and, and, and have more provisions, but they're just enhancing or emphasizing what is already common knowledge with regard to this relationship. We mm. know that a tenant has to pay rent when you... you you become a tenant somewhere, you are leasing the place and you know you have to pay rent. Uh, it's just that the Rental Housing Act promotes and endorses the payment of deposit and reasonable charges in favor of the supplier and um, at the same time in favor of the tenant. Uh, they, 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 the tenants have an obligation to take good care of the premises. Mm. And the Rental Housing Act comes in endorsing the conducting of incoming and outgoing inspections so that there is fairness. And clarity, yeah. I suppose yeah, it, 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 it creates a situation where everybody's clear. You can't, for instance, have 15 people living in a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah, that, that would be right. You know, the, the, the Rental Housing Act comes in to emphasize such things, like the reason for, 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 for renting a place. You mm. cannot rent a residential place and then turn it into 
a commercial place. It okay. needs to be clear what you're renting it for, how many people are going to live there. The, 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 the landlord has the obligation to bring forth the rules in terms of what is allowed and what is not allowed in that premises. However, mm. they also have an obligation towards the tenant to give notice. There's an obligation of giving rules. There's an obligation to give notice because now when we're in a relationship, it needs to be clear when that relationship will end and mm. how it will end. Mm. So we promote very much that when parties are entering into any agreement, particularly a lease agreement, it be jotted down, it be in writing, it be clear that, okay, we're getting into this relationship. What do I expect from you? What do you expect from me? What is your right? What is my right? Mm, mm, yeah. mm. Now, one of the big questions around um, a lease agreement, because it's so important. I mean, you go back then, you you know, it's where you sleep every day, particularly if it's, mm. a, if it's a housing, if it's a, um, a residential lease, is mm. can the lease summer be terminated? Now, I, I, I arrive, I, I, I enter into the lease for six months, a year, whatever the case may be. And for whatever reason, the landlord comes and says, but your lease is now terminated. Is that allowed? Um, I think just like any relationship, each and every party has a right to terminate it when they feel it, it no longer serves them. Hmm. However, you need to give notice. You, give, you need to give proper notice to the other party that our contract is coming to an end. We need to remember that a landlord is in business with this relationship. Hmm. So you can't just cut off the relationship just like that because they have an expectation. So most lease agreements have what we call a cancellation uh, clause. The cancellation clause should be clear when it is safe to cancel the lease. When are you not under certain obligations? And, and and how are we going to administer the cancellation? There is not a period that has to be given. Some contracts will say three months. Some contracts will say a month. Some will count them in 20 days, 20 working days, so yeah. forth and so on, which, which prepares the other party for whatever is coming. So if the landlord is terminating this. But give the other party enough time to find uh, alternative accommodation. And if it's the tenant terminating the lease, they have to give the landlord uh, enough time to get another tenant. All right, yeah. Yeah, mm, so mm. The, the, the Rental Housing Act regulates that and, 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 and endorses and emphasizes for lease agreements to have that in clarity. And in following the regulation, like you can't just say notice should be two days. Is that reasonable? Right, yes, okay, I hear you, I hear you. Now, if you've just tuned in, welcome to Law Focus. Tonight we're discussing leases and lease agreements. Uh, lease agreements can be an extremely important part of our lives because for many of us, particularly the youth, but for many other people, buying property in Johannesburg isn't viable or feasible. Mm. And so we enter into lease agreements, and that is why we're discussing this question today. Mm. Um, and we're joined by Butumelo Ndrovu, and she's an attorney... She's discussing with us what your rights are, what your applications are. Now, Butimela, is it within the tenant's rights for the landlord uh, to notify them in the event of an eviction? So what I mean by that is, can they SOMA initiate eviction proceedings or should you be given notice that eviction proceedings are going to be initiated? It's actually proper eviction proceedings to start with notifying. You start with notifying the person, whichever route you're going to take, whether you, you, you have to notify them first to say that relationship has ended. Hmm. So the right that I had given you to uh, uh, be in my space is now terminated. You need to leave. And you give me a time in which I need to leave. From the date of which you had given me the deadline, and, and I did not move, you need to notify me that you're taking legal action. You did not move in the past 30 days. Now I'm taking legal action mm. and uh, uh, proceeding to, to, to evict you in terms of the law. You cannot just come as a landlord and say you did not pay rent uh, seven days ago that you were supposed to, rent to, to, to pay. Now you're supposed to leave. No, that is not proper. Uh, Evictions in our country are governed by uh, another legislation uh, which is the prevention of illegal eviction of unlawful occupiers. Mm. It, 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 it provides for the procedure to be used, and that procedure starts with a notice, meaning that the landlord has to write a letter to the tenant informing them that they 
it, it, we call it a notice to vacate. To say that you are now, the right that you had is no longer here. And because of this, it's been terminated. So this is a notice that you need to vacate by this date. Right, okay. So a landlord cannot just knock on your door and say, get out today. No. Right. It's almost quarter to to eight o'clock and we're discussing lease agreements with our extremely helpful attorney on the other line with during lockdown we had a, a little bit of a quandary and during lockdown because we couldn't or many many landlords of course couldn't evict my understanding was that and um many tenants couldn't pay because they weren't working um it it appeared that way to me. Was that correct, or was that a misinterpret? Is that or have we misinterpreted it? I think there was a little bit of misinterpretation there because I think what the government did was to request service pro- providers to indulge consumers, given the, the the period that we were in, the pandemic and the lockdown. No one was working. A lot of people lost jobs, so it it it, it was just a request. Mm. My my own interpretation, it was a request from the government that service providers should indulge consumers who cannot, because it's not all consumers who could not pay their rental. Yes. So I think that, it, 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 that was what uh, the government asked for the, for the service providers to meet the consumer halfway. Now, the problem comes with the, the consumer being the tenant thinking that or believing that since the government has said that the service provider must themselves apply this indulgence Mm. and that is not correct the obligation is on the tenant to pay rent so therefore it is your duty as the tenant to contact your landlord and say "Uh, i lost my job therefore i'm going to have a problem with rent now how is the landlord meeting you halfway the landlords, landlords of service providers in general were doing payment holidays, some were giving discounted premiums, some were allowing for late payments and back pay agreements of how we're going to pay the back pay or the, the outstanding amount. That is what the, 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 the landlords could be doing or should be doing for tenants who have approached them with that situation. Now, it's still the discretion of the landlord because there are different landlords here. We have uh, agents who are landlords. We have landlords who have big properties. We have landlords who have a back room yes. who rely on the rental. Yes. So we cannot say that all landlords should apply the same thing. It was not a rule that was placed. It's still the discretion to discuss on what they can do, what they can afford, and what they cannot do. Right, yeah, because, I mean, it's not one one size uh, would fit all, like you say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that has caused a massive amount of confusion. Um, yes, but at the end of the day, because a lease agreement, the basis of it is that the obligation of the tenant is to pay rent. So because it's your obligation, it is the tenant's duty to communicate with the, the landlord on that obligation to say, this is my obligation, I'm aware, I'm unable to meet it. How can we find a way to deal with it? Right. Now, one of the things that has also come up, I suppose, during lockdown is that people are simply not able to fulfill their 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 leases, their obligation. And they say to the landlord, listen, I, I can't stay here anymore. I can't afford to pay you. I understand you've done everything you can, but I can't. And so the, 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 the lease is terminated early. And then there's the question of a deposit now. And the landlord yeah. says, but I, you know, you can't take your deposit anymore because um, I had a 12-month lease with you, six months in, you're gone. I understand your problem. But now I, I've got this problem. Now I, I expected an income for twelve months. I'm not. You're not getting back your lease, and it causes a great deal of tension. So the question is: Is it legal for the landlord to withhold the deposit, and um, can the tenant take any steps to recover it? Uh, I think with the purpose of the issue of a deposit, we need to look at the purpose. What is the purpose of deposit? Why are you as a tenant paying deposit when you move into a certain premises? It, it's to cover the damages that might be caused 
that are not covered that you're not covered for according to your lease agreement it's to cover uh, your rental in case of breach meaning that it's a security for the landlord yes so if you failed to meet your obligation your landlord can keep uh, uh, your rental as 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 that security to pay himself for what you, you failed to meet mm. Mm. particularly when you're in breach mm. well i suppose it's as simple as that i mean if that's what the agreement is that's what the yeah, agreement that's the is. It is however if you are a tenant who feel i've paid everything i had to pay I've, I've given him lots that because I'm not working, I'm moving, taking away from Joba, going back to Umtata. I cannot stay anymore and I can fulfill the, 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 the period of lease that I had signed for. I have notified him on time that he's keeping my, my deposit. You can approach the rental, uh, the housing rental, rental housing tribunal, sorry, the housing rental tribunal, mm-hmm. wherein you can go state your case and they can assist you with the situation. If they find that he is wrong, then you can claim your money back. Yes, and the effect of a ruling uh, or an arbitration by the housing tribunal is the same as a magistrate's court ruling, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that correct? It It, it is not the same. It, it is a ruling, but it is not a court order. However, you can um, approach a court to make it into a court order. Mm-hmm. Our justice system is trying to make sure that the, the, the determinations by small tribunals are becoming enforceable, easier than having to always approach court. But then the problem is that uh, the court sometimes does not have jurisdiction to hear matters of rental situation because mm. they're governed by the, the the rental housing act and there is the, the they have a tribunal of their own where they deal with matters like this similar to labor issues where you have to take them to ccna instead of taking them to the magistrate's court right okay so take it to the housing tribunal and then if you win perhaps you can take it to be certified let's see yes, then uh, you can go have your, your your ruling executed through the magistrate's court depending on the amount or the high court i don't know okay now if you've just joined us you've missed out on a really great conversation it's coming to an end it's about your legal rights as a tenant so many of us are tenants in this in this wonderful city of gold of ours <laughs> although sometimes it doesn't shimmer as bright as we'd like <laughs> uh, but we are tenants and we're speaking to and she's a legal practitioner from legal aid it's eight minutes before eight o'clock and we're about to close now so before we let you go is there anything in particular that is of significance to tenants in Joburg that they really need to to to, to pay attention to when uh, they when when they're entering or, or leaving a lease or whatever the case may be? Familiarize yourself with your rights. I think that is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, our our internet has made it easy. Just Google it. Google Rental Housing Act. The Google will give it to you. Read it. Find out what your rights are before you sign. And ask questions. You know, mark your lease agreement and say, I don't understand this. The regulations say this. Why does this say so? Mm-hmm. You have a right to ask those things. And you, you have a, you ask questions. And if you have a lease agreement that you don't understand, you can always approach legal legal aid sa officers and ask for them to assist with the interpretation don't just go ahead and sign i know sometimes we we're desperate Hmm. to get that accommodation but you need to cover yourself at least make sure that you have a cancellation clause to to explain what's going to happen so let's recap that quickly what you need to familiarize yourself with from what i understand is the lease itself the 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 the, 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 the rental act i think that's what it's called the the the, the consumer protection Act, to the extent that it uh, it is uh, um, applies to you and the prevention of uh, what is it called illegal eviction as well those three or those four documents are the ones you need to familiarize yourself with them and know your rights know your rights if you don't understand uh walk into our offices ask for us to interpret the the document for you then we'll explain to you what it means and how it covers you and then you know what decision to take excellent 
Thank you very much, Buitumelo. We appreciate your time and your expertise. You've clarified quite a number of things for us here. Thank you. It's actually a pleasure. Have a good evening. Thank you for the listeners. Uh, now, that was Buti Melendrovu, and she's a, 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 a civil legal aid practitioner, um, or civil practitioner from the legal aid. And we were discussing tenants and what your rights and recourses are. We shouldn't be romantic about our situation in in Gauteng and in particular in, in Johannesburg. Many of us are tenants and many of us will remain tenants out of choice. Maybe we don't want to put roots down here. We still have a home in Natal or Eastern Cape or the Free State or wherever and we just don't see a point in buying a property. So we remain tenants or because our finances won't allow us to remain to, 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 to get onto the property market. So it's a big part of our population who are affected by leases uh, and their implications. Familiarize yourself with leases. Don't rush into it even as desperate as you might be to find it. Don't rush yourself. Whether you're a res student, if you're a res student, take your time and read it. It has all sorts of nitty-gritties that you need to familiarize. Your English is running out, but familiarize yourself with. And if you are a tenant outside of res in an ordinary type relation, still, the obligation remains that you should familiarize yourself with it. Do not, at the end of the day, come back and say, but I didn't know what I was signing. As they say in Pretoria, where I grew up. Anyway, that was us. And thank you for everything. Oh, well, rather, thank you for listening tonight. Um, that's all we have from Law Focus in partnership with uh, the Vids Radio Academy. It's now four minutes to eight. We hope you enjoyed our show and that you got information about um, lease agreements and their implications for you. Thank you once again to Basil Mogwena, uh, who is the director of uh, the Vitz Campus Housing and Residence Life, as well as Butumelo and Lovu. She's a legal practitioner at Legal Aid. We thank you again, the listener, for being with us tonight. To our uh, producer, Rufile Mekwa, uh, thank you very much for organizing the show. And to Babaland, our technical producer, thank you for putting the show together. From myself, Tsapumabia, it's always a pleasure seeing you, or at least talking to you, on a Tuesday evening. And thank you for tuning in. Let's meet again, same time, and same place next week. Good night. Law Focus Podcast.